Hey everybody, welcome back to the pod of DC. I'm your host, Rick Bernstein. I hope you're having a fine, fine day. I got a notice this morning. I was reminded of a memory from six years ago. So on June 29th, 2014, I had posted a picture of my friend Robert and I on the bumper of a 1992 Nissan Sentra. And the shot was taken at his house in Virginia Beach before we embarked on a cross-country trip the summer we turned 18. This was a trip that entailed over 30 states, over 13,000 miles in about seven weeks. I was reminded of that today because of the picture. It's interesting how we've become reliant on these reminders, whether it's a Facebook memory or whether it's our timers or our phones or our calendar ticklers. Life requires reminders today and it makes you wonder, man, how did I how did I remind myself of all that back, way back when, before all this technology took off? But anyway, that was the summer of 1994. We had started planning this trip earlier in the year. We met, uh, he grew up in Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, when we were probably about 13 years old, through a Jewish youth group that I was involved with outside of high school. <clears throat> and they have different weekend events and what they call conclaves and meetups and those kinds of things, where, again, there's a religious focus to it, but there's also very much a social focus. And part of me coming into my own socially and interpersonally wasn't only just in high school and and keeping the friends I kept, but also through these friends who were scattered throughout the Mid-Atlantic. So that was kind of all under one roof, included youth groups across Virginia, North Carolina, Delaware, Maryland, uh, and even West Virginia. It was a pretty neat group of people, and uh, I got involved with that after I turned 13. So he and I met at these events, and he was, again, from Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, and we hit it off. Then we were buddies throughout high school, even long distance. We'd see each other a couple times a year at these events. Well, anyway, our senior year, we hatched this idea, how cool would it be if we drove cross country? I'm trying to remember exactly how we floated the idea to our parents, but it was kind of one of those, okay, I'll ask mine, you ask yours, and then we'll see what they say. Well, they both agreed to it, but then they did ask to talk with one another, and they really hadn't, our our parents hadn't overlapped, so they had never met before. So as we were planning this trip, our parents get in touch and kind of plan what the deal is, and this was no small undertaking, and I'm thinking about it as a a dad to a nine and a seven-year-old year old. In eight years, could I see myself letting my child drive cross country with a good friend and just see what happens? Experience life as a as an 18-year-old outside of your own home and home state. And that's kind of daunting for me to think about. I cannot tell you right now that I would absolutely let my son or daughter do that. And technology has come so far since those days. I mean, the only times we would connect with home is either through a handwritten letter, postcard, payphone, collect call, or a call from a family member's house. It does kind of blow my mind how my parents were so encouraging for the trip, but I also think about my dad's own upbringing and how he never really left his home state till he was almost in his mid-20s. And so he had always yearned to have that sense of adventure and going out and exploring, and he really wanted that for me. So again, I have him to thank for so much. But anyway, we make our plans to do this cross-country trip. And so we see each other at some of these events as the spring and then graduation is approaching, and we start kind of mapping out where we're going to start, ultimately where we're going to end up, but parts in between, figuring we're going to head west for a bit, then start going south to see some of the south Midwest states. We basically would stay anywhere where there was a campground or a youth hostel, or we had a family or friend in that town. And so what we ended 
ended up doing on June 29th, 1994, we met at my friend's house in Virginia Beach. We had lunch together, his parents, my parents, and the two of us. We went outside, we loaded up the car, and we took that picture, that picture that was my memory this morning, and we headed out. This was a 1992 red Nissan Sentra four-door that the entire back seat we took up with a cot. My dad promised we would need a cot at some point in time in our travels on top of the tent and the sleeping bag and and whatnot. He insisted that we have this cot. So we put this cot in the back seat. We didn't use it a single time for seven weeks for the entire trip, but it managed to take up almost our whole back seat. (laughs) But we could still fit bags and tents and groceries that we'd pick up and those kinds of things. So we head out from Virginia Beach in the in the late afternoon and we head west and we go across southwestern Virginia. The first place we camp out is in George Washington National Forest and that was our thing. We would drive for about 8 to 10 hours a day and we would stop into a city that was a destination or some place cool that we wanted to to stay at or sometimes we just stopped because it was getting dark and it was time to to crash. So we headed west and we got about as west as Memphis. And we went and did the whole Graceland tour and saw some sights, ate some good barbecue, and then headed directly south to New Orleans. We wanted to be in New Orleans for 4th of July. And my friend has a tradition in his family. His father would read the Declaration of Independence every 4th of July. So he had pictured in his mind doing exactly that, reading the entire Declaration of Independence on Bourbon Street right outside. And he did it. He did it. He um, he had his bow tie on and his red, white, and blue, and he read the whole thing. And I can't say that a single passerby stopped and listened or paid attention, but it was still, it was special to him. <laughs> but we did Cafe Du Monde's, and we were in that touristy mode where you hit all the big spots, Bourbon Street, Cafe Du Monde. So we were in New Orleans for 4th of July. Then we head west across Texas, and we end up going to Austin, and then we go to San Antonio. And it's interesting. We got to San Antonio, and we wanted to see the Alamo. And I had collect called my folks when we were in San Antonio, letting them know we were in San Antonio and that I was going to tour the Alamo. And my dad said, hey, you have an ancestor who fought in the Battle of the Alamo. His name is Makaja Autry. See if you can find any fun facts, any information about him at the museum. Well, we walked in and one of the first portraits I saw on the wall was of an American merchant who was also a poet and a lawyer. He was from Sampson County, North Carolina. He served in the War of 1812 fighting against the British. It was Makaja Autry. And I took, there weren't pictures allowed inside the Alamo, but I did manage to take a a quick snapshot with my disposable Kodak and let my dad know that I found Makaja Autry. So this was an ancestor on my dad's side. So really neat stuff. We headed west across Texas. We ended up going over to the Four Corners Monument, which sits right at the point between Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah, where all four states meet. So that was pretty cool. And then we managed to go to a small town called Kanab, Utah. And Kanab, Utah was our landing point because it was equidistant to the Grand Canyon, Zion National Park, and Bryce Canyon National Park. So all three of those national parks we were able to squeeze in, and it was just amazing. I mean, so vast. 
the Grand Canyon. Bryce Canyon National Park was very different, very cool, very interesting geological structures. They're called hoodoos, and I wasn't really familiar with them and what they were all about, but fascinating to walk along the trails there. And then we went over to Zion National Park, and Zion was beautiful with the mountains and canyons and mesas and rivers, just a a fascinating park. So we stayed in Kanab, Utah, and then we, again, would do day trips to each of those national parks. Then we cut across over to Nevada, and of course, we did the Las Vegas thing. And this was, Las Vegas was, hadn't really turned around. I mean, to me, it was, it reminded me of Times Square in the 80s. So nothing really memorable there per se, but just kind of cool to be on the floor of a casino and put some coins in the Wheel of Fortune slots and, and whatnot. From Las Vegas, we headed west across California and went over to Yosemite National Park and the tremendous granite rocks and cliffs, El Capitan, Half Dome, North Dome, so many cool features. We spent about two nights camping there and uh, met some cool people along the way for sure. We headed west to San Francisco and stayed with some of Robert's family. So that was kind of nice to actually stay with family. From Virginia to San Francisco, there wasn't a single family member, at least the route that we took going west, that we crossed paths with. So we were either staying in youth hostels like we did in Memphis and in New Orleans, or we were camping in campgrounds and never opening that cot. We, of course, drove over the Golden Gate Bridge. We went to the top of the Coit Tower, walked out to the piers, walked through Golden Gate Park, and took a long stroll through the Haight-Ashbury District, which was really at the epicenter of the counterculture movement in the late 60s, a time period that I'm fascinated with. Stayed there for a couple days, and then we started going up the coast into Northern California, where we camped out under the Redwoods and got caught in a torrential downpour that we ended up having to pack up the tent and sleep in the car. Now, mind you, that cot was taking up the whole back seat, so there wasn't much reclining. Not a very good night's sleep, to say the least. And then inching our way along the coast of Oregon, which was beautiful, very rocky and very twisty and windy, and landed in Eugene, Oregon. In Eugene, we caught up with another family friend of Robert's, and learned that much of Animal House was shot on the campus of the University of Oregon in Eugene, which was pretty cool. Had no idea about that. And then we did eat at a barbecue restaurant, I remember, and it had pictures of well-known barbecue establishments throughout the country. And of course, barbecue runs in my veins through both my mom and dad growing up in Central and Southeastern North Carolina. But there was a picture, I remember, of Almond's Barbecue, which is a barbecue restaurant in Fredericksburg where I grew up. And I just couldn't, it blew my mind. So continue continued up the coast and landed in Seattle. Seattle is where I turned 18 and we ended up staying with a cousin of Roberts. She was a super nice lady, a deadhead to the nth degree. She had boxes of live cassette tapes of dead shows and she put us up for a week. I don't remember it raining a single day. We had a great time going downtown, going to Pike's Place and catching fish that was tossed to us. We even went out for a hike near Whidbey Island, which is just outside of Seattle on Puget Sound and ate Dungeness crab legs with another aunt and uncle of Roberts uh, outside the city and also just kind of picked up those grunge music vibes when we were there. We landed in Seattle about three months after Kurt Cobain took his own life. So there was definitely a feel there, you know, the home of Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Nirvana. So that added to the experience for sure. 
Now, the reason we were there for almost a week was because our transmission died. We thought it was a great idea as we're going up and down these rocky coasts and these mountains to, you know, throw it in neutral from time to time and coast down as we wound around and and made our way along the highway. Not smart. The transmission ended up blowing. And so we were there in Seattle for a week waiting to get this transmission fixed. And it was not a cheap fix. And I don't remember Robert's dad being very happy about picking up the cost for that new transmission. And then we headed back east, going across Idaho and then across Montana, over to Yellowstone National Park in the northwest corner of Wyoming, where we saw amazing wildlife, bears, bison, pronghorns, breathtaking waterfalls. We saw geysers and hot springs. We saw Old Faithful go off, which apparently it erupts every 90 minutes or so, as well as the Steamboat Geyser, which is the world's largest active geyser. Just incredible experience in Yellowstone and a place that I would like to take my kids sooner than later. I'm sure Harry Potter World at Universal Studios comes first on their list, but would be an incredible experience for them to see all of this nature and its vastness. I would say the national parks to me in my mind as I as I recap our trip were the standouts. So we had a good four nights or so in Yellowstone and then continued east. Now, somewhere along the way, I want to say in Idaho or Wyoming, we started seeing these signs for a place called Waldrug in South Dakota. And it was puzzling to us. It kind of reminded me of the signs that you see when you're going down 95, headed towards Myrtle Beach, and you see these signs for South of the Border, which is a campy roadside attraction that sells fireworks. There's a campground, a motel. There's amusement rides right there at the South Carolina-North Carolina border. So we started seeing all these sign markers saying 850 miles to Waldrug, 650 miles to Waldrug, 200 miles to Waldrug. So we're like, we gotta check this Waldrug place out. So we get to Waldrug and it ends up being, again, one of these roadside attraction, tourist stop kind of places in Wall, South Dakota. We checked out this Waldrug place. It's become now much more elaborate with a shopping mall and cowboy-themed stores and gift shops and restaurants. Restaurants and but uh, anyway, that kind of stuck out in my mind. Brilliant marketing on their part, and again, anyone who I meet somewhere along the Midwest and I tell them that I've visited Waldrug, I get a smile and a nod usually. So we leave Wall, South Dakota, and we continue east. We did want to visit all five Great Lakes. We thought we'd check that off our list, and so we ended up driving up through Minnesota just to see Lake Superior. So we landed at Duluth, Minnesota, and that was our foray into Lake Superior. So we saw Lake Superior. We came down to Wisconsin with a brief stop in Madison and hung out on the pedestrian walkway right there on State Street. Again, if you ever spend time on State Street, you can understand why Madison is usually ranked one of the top party schools in the country. It's it's quite a, a fun, wild scene, even in the summertime. Finally, we got to see some of my family in Chicago. We ended up staying with my cousin and seeing some live music and hanging out there for a few days in Chicago, seeing the city. We were able to visit Lake Michigan. Then we cut up north in Michigan, north of Detroit, over into Canada for a brief bit until we got to Niagara Falls. And then it got a little strange in New York. One of my first girlfriends growing up in eighth grade was from New York. I had met her through a mutual friend in middle school. She would come down and visit and we ended up connecting through our mutual friend that was a classmate of mine. And this was the summer of 
1990. I had spent time with her around 4th of July when she was in town visiting her friend. And then I flew up in August of 1990 to visit her for about a week and stay at her place. So for some reason, I thought it'd be a good idea. This was four years later and we had broken up and lost touch that it would be a good idea to maybe pay her a visit. (laughs) And somehow or another, I still had her number and she said it was okay to come by and see her. And this was about an hour and a half south of Buffalo. And we end up staying there. We end up staying at her house for a night. And again, kind of surreal going back and seeing her parents again. She had moved on, had a boyfriend, and I don't think he was real pleased that we were coming through town. But again, this was just a friend and hey, we're doing this cross country trip and we just need a place to crash basically for a night. So we did that. If I had to do this trip all over again, I would definitely pass on um, on that part of it. <laughs> Probably not the best idea in the world. Very awkward. But we continued on across upstate New York and ended up in Boston. Boston was pretty fun. We visited the Cheers Bar. We hung out near Faneuil Hall. We went down the Freedom Trail. We went to Quincy Market. We didn't make it over to Fenway Park. That was always on my bucket list to see a game there. But I actually did end up seeing a game there just a few years ago. But really had a good time in Boston. We went over to Martha's Vineyard. And then we swung around down through Rhode Island and Connecticut and ended up crashing with a family friend of his in New York City. We went around the city. We went to a couple clubs and probably the eeriest photo that we took on the entire trip in retrospect was the ones on top of the World Trade Center. We each got a photograph up there. Hard to believe seven years later, those towers would no longer be there. And then finally, leaving New York, we just headed on south and ended up back in my driveway in Fredericksburg, Virginia on August 15th, 1994. Two weeks later, we would both go our separate ways, me to JMU and him to Colgate in upstate New York for college. We saw each other a few times during our college years, reconnected in DC when we started working, and now my friend lives in North Carolina. Four years ago, unannounced, he came up and supported me when I had to say goodbye to my dad, and and it made me reflect on that summer. That summer was an opportunity for me to grow in new ways that I wouldn't appreciate till much later. And my dad got it right. He knew this was an opportunity for me to grow some independence, be a teammate, learn to ask for help when you need it, trust your instinct and make good choices and arrive home safely. He got it right, except for that cot. So we're going to cut the pod there today, but hopefully in this time where travel is limited, you can reflect on those trips that you've made around the world, cross country, throughout your communities, and the impact it made on you and the development that you got out of those travels and who you met and what you saw. This country is a beautiful place. There's so many great parks and great cities to visit. Hopefully we can all get back out there again soon and appreciate it and be together. So for now, you take care of you and your own, and we'll talk soon. 